All right. Well, welcome everyone to Married Life. It is super awesome to have you here. Uh, my name is Tim Gillio. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. My wife, Rachel, she's way in the back taking care of a whole bunch of stuff. But she's running. She's not running. She's coming up front right now. But we want to welcome you. I can't believe. Can anyone believe that September is here? Like, it is crazy. It really seems like for me that it was blank and summer was gone. But we're back I um, want to let you know that on your table there are a few things. There's a card for Married Life that's just general information. It's got a QR code on there that could take you to our uh, webpage that will just let you know uh, everything that's going on. But also there is a card on your table and that sh- tells you all of the upcoming uh, speakers for the next several months. The way we have Pastor Dan Seaborn twice over the next couple months. There's a microphone right there, babe. Uh, Pastor Dan Seaborn twice over the next couple months. And then uh, we have Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie uh, in January. And then uh, my wife, Rachel, and I get to share in November. Come on. So, uh, Rachel, what's, why do we do married life? We do married life. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Okay. Because we just want to be intentional about building an opportunity where we can come together and do marriage on the foundation of Jesus Christ together. So just a purposing to make a time to set apart, to make a space where we can talk about marriage, we can talk about some of the hottest topics that we know. We've been married 13 years this year, so we know that we have woo-hoo, four kids, nine and under, so you know it's a time woo-hoo. of fire. Um, but topics that we know are really pressing on marriage, especially in the climate of what we're going through. So we just want to make that space. Um, We just came off of a really great summer. We did a huge camping trip, and I'm going to throw this out here now because it was 23, 24 families at Dunes Harbor. So just want to throw it out there. We're going to be booking the date for this next August in the next month. So if you like to camp, and if you don't like to camp, they have cabins. So you can be in a cabin, but we would love for you to join us. There's something very special about taking that time away and spending five to six days together in sweatpants and next to the pool and on dune riding. It's a lot of fun. So just wanted to throw that out there. Awesome. Well, um, we want to be intentional as a community and start just focused on who God is because we believe that healthy marriage, first of all, starts with having a healthy relationship personally with God. So we just want to start with a time of worship. So I'm going to ask if you would go ahead, stand up. You can stay at your table if you want to move around. But we're going to do a song called The Blessing by Carrie Job, mm-hmm. And uh, we're just going to spend this time, just one song. And then after that, uh, we've got two of our friends from our family sharing, <laughs> Drs. Matt and Marco. So they'll be coming up right after the worship song. Yeah. But if you could go ahead, stand up, uh, and then we're going to spend some time worshiping and then get into the message.
Father, we just thank you. Father, thank you that you are for us. Father, I take a moment right now and I pray a blessing on every marriage that is present in this room. Even as every couple has decided to step forth and invest into your marriage into their marriage, Father, I pray, Lord, that the seeds that they plant will grow into beautiful fruit in their lives. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you that we get to hear uh, from doctors Matt and Marka as they share uh, on, on sex and intimacy inside of marriage. So, Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Again, it's awesome to have you here. Go ahead, grab a seat. I'm just going to hand it right on over to doctors Matt and Marka, and they're going to get going. Thank you, Tim. Uh, no, that was good, yeah. Uh, raise your hand if you're having trouble downloading the Kahoot app. Raise your hand if you still own a flip phone. <laughs> nice. It's an antique. Yeah, great. Well, as I'm loading this up, um, Mark and I are both physicians. Uh, Mark is a woman's wellness specialist in obstetrics gynecology. I'm a cancer surgeon. I'm kind of along for the ride here, uh, but Mark and I uh, had it on our hearts to uh, really speak life over sex and marriage, and uh, this is a journey for us in terms of presenting to you and giving our testimony. Um, it's a, a very, very important topic to us. It's a very important topic because we realize a lot of the struggles we've been through and we've seen other people go through 
that this is something that needs to be discussed and this is something that really we need to more communication transparency and comfort with. Uh, just as a warning, this is not a G-rated presentation. So uh, we don't want to take an opportunity away from you as parents. Uh, if, if your kids are here and you don't want them to hear certain things, just bear in mind, we are gonna, we are, we're trained to be blunt. We're trained to have very uncomfortable conversations with people. So even though our comfort level is high, yours may not be. We don't mean to offend you, but this is going to be a very, very straightforward presentation. So that's your word of warning. Um, the Kahoot app is this really fun tool for us. It allows us to get you involved with the presentation, but it's all anonymous. So you don't have to worry that we're gonna track down Karen on phone number four and ask her why she responded to the survey in that manner. But uh, what's gonna happen here, as we're setting this up, you're gonna see a code. Oh, that's not it. That's not the code. There's the game pin. So on the bottom of your Kahoot app, there's a little option that says join. And most apps, it's like four different colored boxes. If you click join, you plug in the pin number, and then you'll be asked to put in a name. Do not put your own name in. <laughs> but put in a name that's distinctly female or male. We can use biblical names like Diana or Melchizedek or Jehoshaphat or Mark. Mark. <laughs> but what Luke, at John. Luke John, yeah. At at the end of us, what's gonna happen is we're gonna actually tabulate these scores and we're gonna know if a woman responded or a man responded. And that's a really important aspect of this. So raise your hand if you can't find the join button if you need help. Good. You guys are tech savvy. That's impressive. All right, we're gonna let this populate for a little bit here. Um, we can have up to 200 participants, so I think, I think we should be good. We're covered. Yeah. All right, you guys, if I cut you off, I'm sorry, it'll still be fun for you, because you can see the, the responses, but why don't we get started? Can you push that? Yeah. Just turn it. All right, this is my turn to talk. Um, I think part of the introduction, Matt gave an excellent one. We've been married 25 years, and are there any people in here who are engaged about to be married? Woohoo! Awesome. Congratulations. Congrats. Super exciting. Just know that there are some things where these questions are for married men, married women, but you will glean so much information as we move forward in that. Um, we know there are people who have been married much less, many fewer years than we have, and some that have been married so many more than we have. Our goal here is to open up communication. That is the number one thing that makes sex in marriage absolutely beautiful, is if we can actually talk about it. And we'll get into some of those things as we move through. Um, we love questions, so if you're brave enough to raise your hand and ask one, please do. Um, if not, no problem. You can come find us afterward. But we want to start with a little biblical basis here. And if you have your Bible, Genesis 2, I'm not going to give you too long because we all know that's right away in the beginning. Genesis 2, verses 24 and 25 Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I'm reading my version, sorry. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. This is God's original design for marriage. This is God's original design of the garden. We only have two chapters before the fall. And so we try our best to glean what God intended for our married life. And it's to become one flesh. What's interesting is that unity between Adam and Eve was so perfectly complete that the word for Hebrew for one that is used in this verse is the same word used to describe God in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 where it says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
it's the same. So this unity that we have as married couples is extremely significant and reverent. That unity broke. When sin entered the world, the unity broke. Not only were Adam and Eve no longer able to be in the Garden of Eden in this, with the Spirit of God, they had to separate. The unity of the one flesh in some way was fractured and was broke. If you have your Bibles and you look ahead to chapter 3, you see this breakdown of the relationship. It becomes a little contentious, and this always makes me giggle, because Adam says in verse 12, the man said, the woman whom you gave to me to be with, like he's blaming God. You gave her to me. I didn't do anything. You did it. I remember when my son was, well, our daughter was young, so he had to be maybe four or five. And we have it on video. He said, well, Margot made me. You know, it's the same thing. There's that I'm going to throw blame. And that brings in contention into the relationship. And then what I've just recently seen is when you go to verse 20 of chapter 3, this is the first time where we see Adam name his wife Eve. It took all that time to name her. And that's when they, it's the first time they have separate identities in the Bible. Prior to that, they were one, both physically and spiritually one. And when sin came in, that was fractured and they had different identities. And so our goal and we can get to that probably with the next slide, is thank goodness for Jesus and redemption because it's only through him that we can even have some semblance of what God truly intended for our marriage, and that is to be one flesh, <laughs> one spirit together. So the purpose of sex is oneness. Yeah, <clears throat> so we've screwed this up, right? Um, unity is, in, in God's terms is literally the joining of one flesh. It's a very supernatural phenomenon. Uh, in our flesh, in our sinful flesh, we have to try to get back to that place. And like Marcus said, you can't do it on your own effort. No matter how hard you try in marriage to be the right, right husband or the right wife and do all the things right, if you're striving outside of the Holy Spirit, you will fatigue and you will fail miserably. And so unless you completely surrender your life to Christ in marriage, you will struggle with these, these strongholds that separate you, that defy the unity. And sex is one of these uh, amazing things that God gives us to basically create oneness. But that's not how we use it all the time, is it? So sex, the devil loves to twist our sex life. He wants to affect our generations. You know, the song we sang, a thousand generations, our families and our children and their children, the devil wants that all screwed up. Not just us today, but for a thousand years he wants to uh, torture us and, and create problems for us. And sex is the heart of that. And so he attacks our sex life. And so no matter how you grow up, how pure you are when you're married, how impure you are when you're married, we are fundamentally flawed, right? Our flesh is full of sin. So no matter what your actions are, your heart is scarred by sin. And we come into marriage with a lot of baggage, a lot of sinful expectations, idolatry, uh, murder, adultery. All these things are, are part of our sinful flesh. And until you are redeemed through Christ, you can't get away from it with your own effort. So the gospel is such a powerful thing for sexuality. Uh, it is the answer. It is the answer to oneness. It's the answer to unity in marriage. And uh, I love this saying. This was actually, where did we find that? What was that? I think it was in our, I think it was in our, it was a commentary in the Bible. It says, just because you're having I'm middle-aged and I sometimes have memory <laughs> issues. We're not sure where our car keys are right yeah. now. Uh, just because you're having sex doesn't mean you're fulfilling God's purpose of bonding together a one flesh relationship. Because the act of oneness isn't automatically created by sex because we can screw up sex. Our hearts can come into sex in bad ways. And so what we're trying to get back to is what, for lack of a better term, kingdom sex. 
the way that God intended to. That I remember. Yes. <laughs> I remember where that quote came from. It's from the David Guzik commentary on chapter 2, verses 24-25. I'm glad you remembered. Thank you. Oh, my turn. It's about women. Um, so we asked each other, what are the top three lies that are out there for women, for men, that are perpetuated not only in culture, but sometimes even in the church about sex? Um, and I think one of those is that there's definitely been a precedent set that sex was created only for men, that there's no... that the women are there not to be a part of it or to enjoy it, but it's just the biblical truths have been twisted in past years to say that it's all about men. Another one, and this is out of fear, if I don't meet my husband's needs, he will seek fulfillment outside of marriage. How many Lifetime movies are about affairs and about all of these things that we're inundated with this in our culture and even perhaps with people we know what i want to state about this is this is just a cycle because if i don't meet my husband's needs and we'll talk about what that means matt will address needs um he'll seek fulfillment well what is that that's fear and when we do things out of Fear, we're certainly not acting underneath the Holy Spirit. And when we're acting out of fear, where, where's the fulfillment in that? We have, we have to move toward the blessing of God's kingdom when it comes to our sex life. Another myth or lie is if I don't become aroused, there's a problem with me that needs to be fixed. I talk to women all day long who come in and say, my husband thinks something's wrong with me because I can't have an orgasm. My husband thinks something's wrong with me because I don't enjoy sex or I don't want to have it. Can you fix me? It doesn't mean there's something wrong. We have to go back and fix the heart position, bring Holy Spirit into that relationship and we can move forward from there with maybe some of the physical things because truly we are um, body, mind, and spirit, and all three have to be functioning underneath the umbrella of the kingdom for us to get the true blessing out of our sex life. Yeah, our sexual expectations of each other in marriage are often heavily contaminated. Um, and so sexpectations are uh, one of these things that really get us in trouble. We think it should be a certain way. And so our, our, the, the bed has to go in this, this direction or... It got you in trouble just like a couple months ago. <laughs> I mean, on, in all honesty, we don't have this all figured out. I want you to know that this is a constant work in progress where, you know, you come with unspoken expectations, and let's just say that's the one day where it's not even a crock pot. There's no electricity. <laughs> like, it's just it ain't not happening. working. Like, the power company's gone till tomorrow. Let's just figure that out. But, you know, it doesn't match expectations, and it can lead to frustration. And um, it, we we were able to talk about it because we have these conversations um, and eventually work through that. But I just want you to know that we, it's not perfect, there's no perfection. <laughs> no, and, and on that note, I think it's really important to look at sex not as an act, but as a relationship. Because if you look at sex as an act, it's very easy to idolize that act in some way, shape, or form. I want my sex life to be this. I want my sexual frequency to be this. I want the, the lights to be this way. I want the Yankee candle on the coffee table to smell this way or whatever. Uh, again, sex is moving towards oneness. So the relationship around the sex is the most important thing. Uh, sex should never be a scratching post. It should never be used in exchange for mowing the lawn. 
<laughs> even though that happens. Um, it, it's something that, again, when you turn it into something different than what God intended, you'll reap the benefits of that sinful perspective on sex in a bad way. So the lies that men believe from the devil about sex, and bear in mind, all these lies have a little hint of truth in them. Uh, I work hard. I provide for my family. I've earned the right to have sex tonight because it's Wednesday. Um, you know, it, it's a very common attitude and perception among men. Very often, if men are working extremely hard, they haven't had the time to put the, the investment into the relationship that day or that week, or they come home in a foul mood and they have no chance of, you know, being in a, in a positive mindset for the relationship. But there's a sense of entitlement because the devil's whispering in my ear, hey, you worked hard, you earned this. You got married so you could do this. It's a lie because sex is not an act. It's a relationship that moves us closer to God and closer to each other. And then here's another lie to men. Well, to be sexually fulfilled, I have to have an orgasm. If I don't have that release, I'm going to be sexually tempted. Well, there's some truth to that. You know, after a male orgasm, there's a refractory period where your desire, your arousal, even your erections aren't, aren't going to work because the body has to reset itself. And so a lot of times men use orgasms to avoid sexual temptation. Well, what's the problem with that? Who is our defender? Who is our strength? Well, that, the, the sexual temptation has to be dealt with first with Christ. It's not the orgasm. The orgasm is a mechanic. It's a natural law thing that can help and maybe, and God ordained orgasms. But if you put your trust and your confidence in your orgasm over Jesus Christ, what's going to happen in your bedroom? You're going to idolize that orgasm. You're going to pursue it in the flesh and you're going to create issues. Uh, the reproductive drive in men is typically much, much higher than women, but not always. And the same can be true for women, uh, idolizing orgasm, idolizing sexual experience. Here's another lie. At some point in my life, my sexual relationship will die a natural death. If for some reason, like, male erections have a little timer on them, you know, 55, everybody's done. All the guys are done. It's a lie. If you watch Viagra commercials, you'd think it's the truth, but it's not the truth. And it can happen. Impotence can happen. Physical disability can happen. But uh, when it comes to sexual relationships, there's very good evidence that this is a lifetime of blessings in our marriage. Now, the way it works at 20 may not be the way it works at 75. <laughs> but there's no reason that the sexual relationship cannot be equally fulfilling if you stay surrendered to Christ in how you approach your spouse and how you approach your sexuality. And this, is, this was my slide. I threw this in, at last, in the last minute because this, this weighs heavily on my heart, which is ironic because it's about the heart. But Jeremiah 79 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? How often do we say, well, I, you know, when it comes to sexual matters, I'm going to trust my heart. I'm going to trust kind of what I think and believe and feel deep down. Well, the Word of God says that's not so reliable because our hearts are contaminated, and we overestimate how pure our hearts are, especially after we've been saved. Pastor Dwayne talks about this all the time. After you're saved, you still have stinking thinking, right? Your flesh is still very active. It hasn't been surrendered. It hasn't been sanctified. And so when it comes to sexual matters, my advice is don't go by what your heart thinks. Fully surrender to Christ at that moment and ask the Holy Spirit what's going on. It'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. Part of my conversion experience was I, I literally saw all my sin in front of me, and I, it was staggering to me. I thought sin was just the times I violated the Ten Commandments. <laughs> it's a lot more than that. It's hardwired in your flesh, and it's persistent. And in sexuality, it's very, very strong. And so you can't trust your heart. You have to trust God. You have to have a close enough relationship with God where minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, you can figure this out with him. So good news is when you're in Christ, all is forgiven. There's no shame. I'm not proposing a nudist colony. But... Uh, Shame, I think Mark would agree with this, but shame is probably the number one reason why we don't communicate effectively about sexuality in our marriages, and it's shame about things we've already been forgiven for. We're picking up the ashes of our old life into our relationships. It's shame about things we haven't even done. Uh, it's shame about our thought life. But the Bible's really clear. There's no condemnation. You've been set free from all that, so why do we keep picking it up? Why do we bring it into our bedroom?
All right, well, that's the good news. Um, now we're going to get to the interactive part. So get out your Kahoot app. Remember, we won't know who this is. This is Dorcas and Ruth and Boaz. And, um, and you have about 15 more seconds to respond, and then it'll cut you off, and we'll look at the results here. Yeah, we weren't sure what to expect tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we have some audiences where the red bar would be extremely high, extremely high. And there's even some generational influences here, right? Um, yeah, it's delightful that you guys do have some conversations about it. Is it fair to say that we would like to see everybody in the green category? That would be ideal, but even yellow is fine. <laughs> um. So is it fair, based on those two results, that a lot of us have broken some generational curses? Praise Jesus, right? Uh, because our parents lived in a different culture. My parents certainly did. And the only times they had sex was on the wedding night, twice when my sister and I were conceived, and once maybe on a Sunday afternoon when they put us down for a nap. <laughs> that was it. Because that's all we knew about. <laughs> but it's, it's remarkable that over half the room never even had the sex talk. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, not even the, the birds and the bees. This is how that works, right? That'll make our next question really interesting. <laughs> but no, I, I'm in the never category as well. Like it was a hushed, we don't talk about it, and I carried all that shame into our early marriage. Right? I think that's such a number one thing where all this time it's either not spoken about or... Cursed is a pretty heavy word, but at least it's bad. You don't do it. And then all of a sudden, I said a vow, and now here you go. And it's a lot of shame because you really take on that um, quiet nature about sex. And not only are we hopeful here that we can show you ways to open up your communication with one another, because that is of the utmost importance, but for all the parents or parents to be at some point, we need to try to make this a regular and comfortable conversation for you to have with your children. They need to know that sex is beautiful, but in the correct context. And for the 35 people that their parents never talked to them about sex, I don't even want to know where you learned. I know where I learned, and it wasn't my parents either. But imagine what that does to your flesh when you get into marriage, right? If you haven't had a sanctified view of oneness and the role of Jesus Christ in your bedroom, and you show up, even if you're a virgin in a marriage, right, there's going to be issues. Um, all right, here's another one. These get more bold as we go on here, so really no apologies. <laughs> all right, um, so the options were, okay, did your parents tell you how to have good sex? Option one, awkward, never. Uh, number two, my parents rarely mention anything about sexual pleasure. Number three, my parents were way too open about sex, too much information. And number four is this question makes me uncomfortable, I'm leaving after another taco. <laughs> so the majority responded awkward, never. That's certainly how we would respond. So where do you learn it? Gym class? <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Fifth grade, fifth grade, human body anatomy, gym teacher, awkward moments, yeah. <laughs> Do you want your child to learn about sex, the pleasure of sex, and the beauty of sex from a gymnasium dry presentation? What are they going to learn? The mechanics, right? Are they going to learn about the Holy Spirit and how he plays into our, into our relationship and into the beauty of our sex life? Because if we don't invite Holy Spirit into this conversation with our children, it's very likely when they first start out, start out married life, and even maybe their entire married life, they may not know that they can invite Holy Spirit into that bedroom. And that process, that, that um, why am I having problems with words today? 
Yes, that moment of intimacy is blessed. And we're all a little uncomfortable talking to our kids about this, right? I mean, it, Mark and I trained for years and years after high school how to have uncomfortable conversations with people as doctors. Like, we have this skill set where we're not afraid to do it. Our kids would probably put us in the little kind of yellow-orange category here. But even then, it's like, man, when do I say it? How do I bring this up? How do I not lose the relationship by saying something awkward to a 13-year-old? Everything's awkward to a 13-year-old. Uh, but the Holy Spirit makes you bold. He gives you words to speak. But he also makes your children receptive. Whether you can tell that or not, the Holy Spirit is working in your home. So it's an act of faith. It really is an act of faith to speak to your kids about sexuality. You guys, you guys rank pretty high on talking to your spouse about sex. Let's see how many of you actually talk about it outside of marriage. That is honestly a lot more than I expected. Yeah, it is more. <laughs> a lot more than I expected. Let's go on to the next one. Okay. Before we comment. All right. This, this is kind of a two-part question. You're everybody ready? You get a minute for this next one. It's interesting mix here. You guys are good listeners. That's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. So I think what the answers reflect is differing comfort levels, right? With your spouse, you guys tend to be more on the comfortable side, probably more than a lot of the groups we speak to or we would anticipate. That's why you're here. Yeah, that's why you're here. But when it comes to talking to friends, you're mostly listening. Not a terrible thing. There's, there's actually no right or wrong uh, answer to this. I think the exaggeration part, you have to look at your heart and say, why are you exaggerating your you know, sexual stories? But um, when you get uncomfortable, it's harder to talk about it, right? But if we're not talking to our kids very much, and we're not talking to our friends a lot about it, think about the vacuum that we've created in communication. Think about the opportunity for the devil to sneak in ideas and experiences and images and uh, bring one bad apple into a conversation. This is getting out of the locker room talks going. And now you're the average of your five best friends, four of which are sexually active in high school. And now you're in a college dorm where the whole floor is sexually active. Th think about that cascade of events. And obviously no parent wants that for their child. Uh, but it, what these data reflect is that we're missing an opportunity here. The Holy Spirit's knocking on the door. We're like, uh-uh, <laughs> no way. I think this, though, comes with a caution. Um, first and foremost, and it was directly related to your question, is this, who are you speaking with? We do not encourage any intimate conversations between a mix of sexes, okay? So do not discuss certainly sex positions, but really anything about your intimate relationship with a member of the opposite sex. That is crossing a boundary that can get very dangerous and you lose trust from your own spouse. The other thing is when you're talking to your friends, be careful of whom you're speaking to and about what. What do I mean? If you're looking for advice, I would highly recommend that you find someone who is as spiritually mature or you go to your spiritual mentor. The culture is so pervasive and perverse when it comes to sexuality that we've lost ground as a church in what is pure and holy and blessed in our bedrooms. It is so subtle how it sneaks in. And so just be so cautious when you are talking with friends. Yes, it's fun. I mean, we giggle about some of the procedures I do at work for different people. I mean, I do an O shot, which yes, it's an orgasm shot. So that gets funny when you're out at dinner and talking about it, right? Um, I get a lot of questions and that's okay, but I'm not having that side conversation with one of Matt's friends when Matt is not present. Um, I'm not going to a friend and complaining about my husband in general, right? A complete aside here is, and I hope you'll see the connection, but when, you know, Paul writes a lot about marriage and there were times where you really just wanna say, really Paul, 
if you're a woman, you know? I mean, some of the things that he said. And when you look at Ephesians 5.22, where it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. A lot of women today have a hard time with that. This is often my soapbox, right? Submit has been twisted. The word submit, the actual Greek word for submit has been so twisted. It means to reverence, to be in awe of, to serve, honor, and to edify. And if you are going to your best friend and complaining about your husband, not only are you speaking death over your husband and your marriage and your sex life, because we were created in the image of God and God creates by speaking. We too create our atmosphere by speaking. Even when you're in front of your spouse or away from them, you have to be so cautious of what comes out of your mouth and how your tongue speaks because you are creating an atmosphere that will carry with you and your spirit into that bedroom where it is the most intimate. And carrying on Ephesians 5, the Bible talks about the man being the head of the marriage. Well, headship is different than leadership, is different than management. We are not uh, God's CEOs of the family. We're the supernatural head. And fundamentally what that means is that the sexual relationship, we are the gatekeepers. So if I sneak a look at a bad video, I just open the door to the devil in my bedroom. It filters down, right? And for me to have a sexual relationship the way God intended, which is amazing, there's joy, there's self-control, there's patience, there's love, all these things, I have to submit to, fully to Christ. If I'm not submitted fully to Christ, if I'm not surrendered fully to Christ in any aspect of my sanctification and sexuality, it's such a powerful connection that Marco will suffer. Even if she has no idea I did it, even if I didn't tell her I did it, the supernatural is real, folks. And we grossly, grossly underestimate in our sexuality. A woman walks by, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Well, no, you just kind of created a soul tie. And it's one of a thousand for that week that you didn't address. And you've opened the door. You haven't closed it. You haven't asked the Holy Spirit to reveal your sin to you so you can come home in a sanctified way. It's a battle. It's a battle. It's an ongoing battle. But the power is there to overcome all that. All right. We're digging deeper. This is only for the men. Yeah, just the Boazes, the Jehoshaphats, and the Jonas. So we're splitting these next few questions between men and women because we want to get the male perspective and the female perspective in marriage, and um, we're not sure what to expect on these, honestly. All right, the men, very much on the comfortable side. All right, ladies, <laughs> your turn. Yeah, sorry, women, how comfortable are you talking about sex with your spouse? Red is extremely uncomfortable. Blue is, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, so I try to avoid it. Yellow is, I'm comfortable, but I don't initiate the conversation. And green is, I make it a point to discuss sex frequently. So both men and women were high in the, I don't initiate the conversation. How does that get initiated? Yeah, I know when, Mar when I'm yellow, in my marriage, the only time I initiate is when I have an issue. <laughs> and then we have to talk about it. So it's not a, always a pleasant initiation. Like, this isn't a comfortable conversation. And I think that's one of the challenges, is that if you're only talking about the problems or the things that could be better, um, you really haven't experienced the fullness of, of your sexual relationship in marriage because there's a whole lot more to talk about. A whole lot more. So red is I'm not married. I refuse to answer this question without my attorney. <laughs> Blue is not that often. Yellow, I am satisfied with the frequency of sexual intercourse. And green, I struggle to keep pace with my wife's sexual needs. Right. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Engage Couples, for hitting the red button. Good job. <laughs> so this is the male perspective. There's quite a few not that often uh, votes and a few I'm satisfied, very few that uh, struggle to meet the sexual needs of their, their wife. All right, married women, your turn. Did you have something you want to say? They're the exact same responses. 
we can read them again. I'm, red is I'm not married. I refuse to answer this question without my attorney. Blue is not that often. Yellow, I'm satisfied. Uh, green is I struggle to keep pace with my husband's sexual needs. Be honest. I'm curious how many of the yellow women are married to the blue <laughs> men. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Well, this is great, you guys. I, I think I think this is a a very reassuring response for us. I think you as a group, again, not just individuals cuz everybody's different, but as a group, it sounds like you guys may be talking about things. You may have uh, you know, really defined frequency for each other. You may have uh, really evaluated the other person's needs in a, a very ma spiritually mature way. The majority of the responses range from one to three. We've got a few expectations of six times a week. There's only seven days. Um, there's a one with four times forgot. a week. <laughs> All right, ladies. Same question. Yeah, so it goes one, two, three, four, five, six. All right, pretty similar. Yeah, they're similar. I would, you know, we're, we're trending a little lower. Are you sure you guys didn't steal your spouse's phone on this one? Just, right. Well, the, I mean, the, you can go ahead, we can look at this, but um, while you're looking at this question, sorry, I'm reading it, I'm a slow reader. I'll let you focus on this. Yeah, so just to read the responses, the question is, which response best describes the quality of your sexual encounters in marriage? The red option is hard to say. I would actually have to have sex to answer this question. Blue is, I consistently have a good time. I'm not sure about her. Uh, yellow, it varies significantly. Sometimes hot, sometimes cold, sometimes nothing. Uh, green, we have hot baby making sex every time, no matter what. <laughs> Just the guys. Just the guys. This question kind of gets at unspoken expectations. All right. Um, again, take the breakdown for what you will. I think uh, the research suggests that your, the number of sexual encounters, the frequency, the acts involved in a sexual encounter change throughout the age spectrum. So again, what you do in your 20s is different than your 70s. But uh, it, this, could, this data could easily reflect the differences in ages. It could re reflect the natural differences in our bodies. But that really has nothing to do with the satis the, how satisfied you are with your sexual relationship, just being plugged into Christ and pursuing oneness with your, your spouse. All right, women. Ooh, this is, the clock is going fast. Red is no sex. Blue, I consistently do not have a good time. Yellow, a lot of variation. Green, lots of sex. It's always great. I would say that this group is not normal. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, check, please. <laughs> All right, really important question. Men, how much foreplay do you need to be ready for sex? <laughs> Seconds, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, hours, or days? We kind of figured we only needed one, cat, one response on this one. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, okay. There we go. All right, we're normal again. You guys are, that's great. Uh, comments on male arousal, doesn't take long. Uh, male arousal doesn't always mean erection. Uh, male arousal can occur in lots of different ways. Uh, it is most often visual. It is, uh, it, 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 when, in terms of erection, arousal can be uh, affected post-ejaculation. And uh, men, in terms of foreplay, uh, every man in their life ex experiences uh, erectile dysfunction because we are hardwired after erection and ejaculation where we cannot have an erection again. And when you're 15, it takes like 30 seconds. When you're 70, it could take several days. That's medical fact. So just bear in mind that, uh, yeah, if your penis isn't working and you're getting older, that, that could be a very natural thing of aging. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need four Viagras and, uh, you know, two bathtubs by the sunset. <laughs> All right, ladies. There you go.
seconds, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, hours, days. We didn't put years as an option. <laughs> I know. Shoot, we should have that soundtrack. Wow. All right. For those of you who answered seconds, will you come talk to me afterward and tell me what you do? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, this, this explains all the baby making sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, medically speaking, research speaking, the average time is 20 to 40 minutes for a woman. For a woman to be able to feel pleasure sexually, you have to first be aroused. So you can't go seconds, like the movies, close off, penetration, ah, and you know, like it doesn't work that way. You have to have an increase of blood flow to the genital organs, which for females is the clitoris. And that can take a lot of time it can be very different about how you go about the arousal from day to day or hour to hour. Sorry, we are complex beings. Our anatomy is a little more complex and what worked yesterday may very well not work tomorrow. Don't think of that as a bad thing. Think of that as a really fun thing. You get to figure out a new way Ooh. to go about it oh the next day. Some people like an algorithm, right? Like A, you go to B, you go to C, boom, it works. No. And what's interesting is like not, women don't always know what works. No. You don't know till you try something. So what's wrong with you? She doesn't know. <laughs> she doesn't know. Um, it can take time and for women, it depends on where you are in your monthly cycle. You know, everybody talks about estrogen. I check estrogen daily for women. Um, and I really don't care what it is because it can be anywhere from 19 to 360 depending on what day of the month it is. So it doesn't really tell me a whole lot of information. Um, if you are a day or two before starting your period, you're gonna have zero, absolutely zero. and what stimulation, if there's direct clitoral stimulation and that feels great and that works for seconds to arousal, two days later, it could hurt. It could really hurt. I see a lot of yeses, so take note. It can hurt. And so communication is important. You don't have to be embarrassed to say, that's not working today. Let's try something different. Rather than, ow, roll over and we shut everything off. Let's be open, let's figure out what's gonna work today. All right, we're running short on time here, so we're gonna try to get through a few more of these. These are quicker ones. So men, when you have sex, how often do you achieve orgasm? Every time, more than half, less than half, rarely. All right, very typical male profile, right? Um, and again, this is not a criticism, right? This is how a lot of men are wired. Uh, the male sex drive is geared towards orgasm. Uh, one of the things that uh, comes up quickly is that obviously men rely on the orgasm sometimes way too much, like it becomes an idol. And, and so if you have this dynamic in your marriage where the wife is having difficult with arousal, but the male has a high sex drive, there may be some duty sex going on. And duty sex is where the woman, the wife is like, well, you describe it better, I think, but, but it's kind of like, all right, he needs this. I don't really want it right now, but I don't want to deal with the repercussions of him not having an orgasm. Uh, that is a very dangerous dynamic in your marriage because on one hand, the husband isn't relying on the Holy Spirit for self-control. In those instances, if you're putting all your emphasis on this orgasm and your mood is dependent on this orgasm, orgasm and your, uh, your perspective of your wife, well, I didn't get any last night. She's got problems. You know, uh, something's wrong with her. You've now fell outside the umbrella of the kingdom of God in your sexuality and your sexual perspective. Work back in with the spirit as soon as possible. This is the same question for the women. 
every time, more than half the time, less than half the time, rarely. We love the laughter, by the way. It's just great. Just great you can laugh about these things. Sometimes we take them way too seriously. That's really good. I mean, more than half the time, that's great. I mean, clearly, we don't have as many that are saying always. That really defines medically what we call the orgasm gap. That's a real thing where men tend to orgasm most, if not every time, and women tend not to. My question is, do you define sex as orgasm? Is that your end goal? Is that when it stops? If the man orgasms first, are we just done? Or do you continue until your wife also is able to achieve orgasm or pleasure? Those answers may be different for everybody. But God created sex for the pleasure of both men and women. The clitoris has far more nerve endings in it than the penis does. So we'll get to some of this. In yeah, the and there's a hidden, in what Marcus said, there's also this kind of sad misunderstanding that guys don't always necessarily understand how women have orgasms. Which is men, true or false, the most common way women achieve orgasm is through vaginal penetration. Blue is true, red is false. Okay, women, red is true, blue is false. Survey says, I'm going to let you handle this one. No, the most common way is not through vaginal penetration, but isn't that how we, most of us have been taught what sex is, right? Oh, say uh, you're with a significant other pre-marriage, and how far do you go? Well, if you don't have penis entering vagina, you've not done anything or crossed any lines. That's a storyline that is a lie, right? You're sharing some intimate things that um, are meant to be under the umbrella of marriage. But no, um, the most common way is through clitoral stimulation. Some, every woman has different anatomy. How close the head of the clitoris is to the vaginal opening is different from one woman to the next. And so if you are one of those who have a clitoral head closer to the vaginal opening, you are more likely to orgasm when there is vaginal penetration. If not, then vaginal penetration may not be the vehicle to which orgasm is achieved. There may have to be some external stimulation by yourself or your partner in the moment of partnered intercourse to help that happen. And if you grow up as a man in the United States today with a smartphone, there's a very good chance you've seen pornography. And pornography glorifies vaginal penetration, plain and simple. Uh, there are a lot of men that believe their penis is a magic wand. Uh, and they are not in happy marriages uh, if you really have that, that expectation. Uh, there's so much more to sexuality than penetration. And male sexuality and male concepts of sexuality really migrate towards penetration, which, uh, uh, again, let the Holy Spirit guide you through that. All right, I think we got one time for one more, or are we? Sweating. He's sweating out this question. Yeah. This is a picture of me talking to Pastor Dwayne tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. The culture we grew up in, a very conservative Christian culture, was very, it basically said that oral sex was a sin. And um, it, was a, it was an expectation that that was not permitted in marriage. And that uh, the rules outside of marriage for sexual immorality uh, were across the entire lifespan past the point of marriage. Uh, I think haven't spent a lot of time in the Word and talking to the Holy Spirit about this particular topic, um, I don't think it's Mark and our, and our job to really define what is sin and what isn't. I think that's pastor's job. 
But what I can tell you is that uh, the act of oral sex, the acts of sexual penetration, uh, you know, all manual forms of sexuality with your hands, uh, they can easily become sins. Because if in your heart you're pursuing these from a flawed, fleshy standpoint, because you saw it somewhere and now you want to reenact that with your spouse, or it looked fun, you never tried it, and you want your spouse in this role that you envisioned, that's not God's plan for sexuality. That's idolatry. And, uh, and so you need the Holy Spirit between the two of you walking through this journey so when the time is right, or if it's even something the Spirit wants you to encounter, then you're ready. If you dive into this too soon and you come from a fleshy perspective, there's a very good chance you're going to do damage. Perhaps a, perhaps a huge amount of lasting damage because of the shame it could bring or, frankly, just the, the pain that it causes somebody, the physical pain. And um, my, my take-home point for you guys is that sex needs a playbook, not a rule book. But that playbook is defined by your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, I, w I would just add that this has to be a communication between each other. One of you may be comfortable and one of you may not. You cannot cross the boundary when both of you are not on the same page. Um, so this is something that we're not saying sin or not sin. This is each individual couple with the Holy Spirit's direction as to if this is something for you in your relationship and in your marriage. Right. That's really it. I think I had one anatomy quiz. Yeah. I just I just want to know. Right. What yeah, this you is the think. gynecologic portion yep. of the examination. <laughs> oh, can you even see that? So oh. What do you call that? Is that a vagina? Sorry. All of a sudden I'm reading that, yelling that out and the door's opening. A clitoris, <laughs> a vulva, or just lady parts? This will be interesting between the men and the women. <laughs> okay. There is a right or wrong answer, and the majority of you know that. That is called the vulva. So um, let's go to the next slide. So if that's the vulva, where's the clitoris? Knowing now, now that you know that the clitoris is the pleasure center for a female, where do you find it? Gentlemen, pay attention. <laughs> No, but here. No. Take a picture. It's A, a B, C, or D. Yeah, can we get our media back? Wonderful. A is the clitoris. Okay. That tissue above it is the clitoral hood. The clitoris is underneath that, but when it arouses, it will grow, actually. You can see that happen with arousal. B is the urethra. That is the urethral opening. C is the labia. And then D would be defined as the vaginal opening. And the vagina is actually the tube that connects from the outside up to the cervix where you find the beginning of the uterus. So there's your anatomy lesson <laughs> for today. Um, there's so much more we could go into in this, but good job on, on your anatomy today. Yeah, great job, you guys. Thank you for your time. All right. Can you guys give it up for them one more time? That was great. Uh, I can imagine that there's going to be a whole lot of interesting conversations going on. So uh, good job. Now, um, real quick, just a few kind of housekeeping. Oh, sweet. Volume went down so I can talk into a microphone. Uh, there's a few housekeeping things to do real quick. Underneath, I think, three chairs in here, there are two free Big B gift cards. So they should be underneath the front edge of your chair. This is just like a welcome back, let's see who sat in the right spot kind of moment. Maybe, maybe. Nikki, Nikki said this and then left. No. <laughs> Flip them over. Did anyone, hey, we found one. Two. Is there another one? Is there another one? Quick. Not this chair. Okay, well, we'll get, we'll get rolling with that in a minute. You can look in a second. But a couple more quick things. Um, we, uh, we believe in sowing into what God is doing here at Res Life. And one of the ways that we can sow in is financially. So we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to give financially into what God's doing here in Married Life, but also just with the whole church 
in general, there's three ways you could do that. You can go to reslife.org slash give. You can text resgive to 94000, or in the back there's giving boxes as you leave, and you can go ahead and sow that way. A couple things on the calendar for you guys to know. Next month we have Dan Seaborn. Anyone know who Dan Seaborn is? Come on. So he'll be here next month. Also wanted to let you know that there's a Generous Life ministry here, and they've got Financial Peace University coming up. They've got an estate planning. I don't know if you've done the estate planning, but they, you go through that process, and you come out with, uh, what is, is it, a, Matt, is it a trust? Is it called a trust? It's a living trust, and all expenses paid. So, yeah, it's like you want to do it. So that's coming up. That's on uh, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. They've got financial freedom going on uh, coming up. Um, nursery events. There's a movie night for the nursery. Whoa, 11-7. That's awesome. And Next Steps has an immersed on October 8th. But uh, there you go. So one more thing. We don't want we don't want to just leave you guys with hey. Um, we don't want we don't want it to be like. Hey, we're just go out and do the things we talk about, and we'll see you next month. But we want to pour into our marriages continually. Did I hear that there are two couples that are engaged here but not married? I know there's a couple. Okay, there's there's three. So since uh, I'm gonna give it to two, and then I'll get you guys another one. All right. All right. So here's a book. Uh, there's a book. This is called uh, by. Uh, Harley, it's uh, it's his needs, her needs. So it goes along a lot with things that were talked about today, but there's some other concepts in there too. But do you guys have this book? Okay, there you go. Do you guys have this book? All right, come on. So um, if you guys are interested in this book and can't find it, let us know. We'll help you find it. But you can just go on Amazon and look up his needs and her needs. Um, and the link is on our website, I was just told. So that's awesome. Nikki, is there anything else? Nothing else. Yeah. Come on. This was awesome. Welcome to Married Life. Come on. So uh, the first Wednesday of October, again, we got Dan Seaborn in here. You're not going to want to miss it. uh, Children's ministry is wrapping up and closing, so we want to get to that. So if you got kids, go get your kids. Come back in here, hang out. If you have questions, doctors, Matt and Mark are right up here. Uh, We'll see if they got time for a couple of them. But you guys are awesome. And we will see you next month.